Well, hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Season 3 of the Real Nickasized Podcast Experiment. Every season is divided up by a different topic, and we've looked over a couple of things. And in Season 3, it's going to be random. That's right, random. It's going to be the things that are on my heart, things that are on my head, that I'm going to have a chance to just verbally dialogue about. So, and sit back and enjoy season three. You know, human beings are quite strange. You know, we all learn in different ways, and we accept learned principles in different ways. Some of us refuse to accept anything that we're told that we can't prove for ourselves. Some of us will accept everything that we're told. And some of us have a really discerning spirit and attitude in choosing between different things and it's not just black and white, it's not just one or the other. But all of us in some way, shape, or form are influenced in the the by by our growing up. You know, like whether it's our parents or it's mentors or it's teachers or it's friends, um, it might be the bully on the playground, quite honestly, but we're all influenced and we all learn from the people that we grow up around. And every single one of us has accepted as truth certain things that we should have questioned. Every single one of us. And one of the things that I love so much about a relationship with Jesus is that Jesus continually puts that stuff in my face, sometimes in a really frustrating way, and then challenges me on it, uh, challenges me to think a little bit more about it. And today's podcast is one of those topics for me, something that I've been uh, wrestling with for quite a long time and finally feel like maybe I can put it into helpful words and helpful terms. And maybe you'll be able to ask some really good questions out of it too. But don't just accept it as truth. Dig around a bit. See what it sounds like. Let's talk about postures and gestures. A gesture is usually a movement that you make with your hand or some other body part. Uh, For instance, if a referee is trying to communicate to a crowd at a basketball game, that a player has traveled with the ball, he'll take his hands and spin them around one another, sort of like an imaginary hand cycle. Gestures can replace words when we think of it this way. I can gesture with my pointer finger to indicate that I want you to be quieter. I can gesture with a slight bow and an open hand in front of me that I want you to go ahead of me. I can gesture my frustration by pretending to wring someone's neck. I mean, I don't do that, but I I remember my mother doing that. (laughs) Uh, But that's, that's a story for another time. Sorry, Mom. Gestures are appropriate for limited use. It would look quite strange if someone continually used a gesture. So think of the referee who continues to make the traveling gesture when he's grocery shopping. Or think of the librarian that continues the shushing gesture with her pointer finger long after she goes home to her family at night. Gestures are momentary. 
postures are far, or, or, excuse me, postures are for more long-term use. So consider crossed arms. I'm not sure which side of the table you're on when I describe this. You might be the person I'm talking about, or you might be able to clearly picture the person I'm talking about, but consider a person who crosses their arms every time you go to talk to them. Now, let's just paint a picture of a grandfather who sits in his armchair. And every time you come to see him or talk to him or spend time at his house, he always sits back and crosses his arms. This is a posture that communicates to the child that the grandfather isn't welcoming, caring, or very loving. And those things might be really far from the truth. As welcoming as this man is, his posture is communicating something that he doesn't want to communicate. Early on in my marriage, I realized that I crossed my arms a lot when we had disagreements. It's a comfortable position for me, and it's probably also sort of a defense mechanism during conflict. But more than that, it was a posture that communicated to my wife that I wasn't open to whatever she was saying, which, which wasn't true. So I needed to change my posture to make sure that I wasn't miscommunicating. I hope that brings some clarity to you between gestures and postures. Now, I want to talk about the posture of greeters and guards. A guard is someone who is tasked with protecting something. Their job is to stop or block or sacrifice themselves to stop or block any threat to the thing that they're trying to protect. The posture of a guard is serious alert, skeptical. In fact, the posture of a good guard will see everyone and everything as a potential threat until proven otherwise. And maybe not even then. Which is why we need guards at concerts and banks, museums, palaces. It's why we have a national guard and police. Now a greeter is someone who is tasked with welcoming people. A job description would include being warm, friendly, smiling, offering a hand to help up the elderly or uh, to step, step out of their vehicle. A greeter would be well-versed in basic information. They're willing to introduce you or connect you to others. The posture of a greeter is welcoming and kind. The posture of a good greeter will see everyone as a potential friend. So, which do you want at the front door of your church? Yeah, 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 I hear you saying. Some of you are probably saying, well, what's happening in the world today? You would want a guard. Or maybe somebody's saying, I want both, greeter and guard. I want the greeter, I want the guard, I want the friendly welcome, the alert protection. Sure, 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 I get that. You're missing my point. What, what if I said you don't need to guard the church? What if I told you that the church has a serious, proactive security system in place that's going to outperform any God, <laughs> any guard, because <laughs> it's God? Would you feel the need to have a guard then? Probably not, because the issue of protection is taken care of. See, there's a letter in Revelation to the church in the ancient city of Philadelphia. Not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Philadelphia in ancient Asia. In the letter, we hear about a door. Revelation 3.7 says, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. 
and what he shuts, no one can open. You see, there's a door that you and I are not in charge of. This is the door of life and death. It's the door of salvation and condemnation. It's a door of judgment, and it decides whether you're in or out. And for whatever reason, we so often feel like our role is to guard the door. We need to protect it or something. We as followers of God, we cast judgment on others so that they don't even get near the door. And, and we cast this judgment based on a variety of things. We do it based on skin color. We do it based on gender. We do it based on sexual preference. We do it based on the language that people speak or maybe the one that they don't speak. We do it based on their immigration status. We do it based on the size of their paycheck, the car they drive, the clothes they wear. We do it based on their past, forgetting that we have one too. We do it based on because their beliefs are just a little bit different. And we do it for more reasons than I'm willing to continue listing. But it isn't our job. In fact, when we do it, we're taking someone else's job. And what's more is that we're taking someone else's job and we're doing it badly. It's God's job to open or close the door. He alone holds the keys to life and death and judgment. Not us. We aren't given the job of pronouncing judgment on others. God didn't ask the church to be guards. He asked his followers to love one another as he loved them. He said, by this, the world will know that you are my disciples. And he said this after washing their feet and serving them communion. He did this right before he died for them. So how are you doing at washing the feet of others? I mean, it was a servant who had this job normally. So how are you doing at getting down and dirty on the level with some of the lowest in our society and really loving people? How are you at serving communion? You know, drawing attention to the broken body and the blood of Christ in remembrance of his sacrifice. You know, taking something mundane like bread and drawing the eyes and the hearts of people around you to the body of Jesus. Taking something like wine and helping people see something greater, deeper, and more meaningful. How are you doing at dying for others? Yeah, you're right. You only get to do that once. So let's flip it. How are you doing at dying to yourself on behalf of others? Of putting their needs first, of putting your desires to rest, of picking up the difficult cross that is before you and shouldering it for the least of these. See, the job we've been given is pretty hard. And we don't need to add to our job description with something far heavier like being judge. We need the posture of a greeter, someone who can stand by the door with some basic information, an open hand and a friendly smile, someone who is willing to point others to the door, introduce them to Jesus. We need people who don't see opponents, but see a potential friend. So maybe you grew up training to guard the door. Maybe that's what was put in front of you your whole life. This is going to be your job. This is the posture that you need to have. Here's the great news. 
Here's the gospel news. It's not your job. You don't have to guard the door. You can relax. You can crack a smile. You can make a friend. Because Jesus is taking care of the door. If there was ever a wonderful, proactive security system that the church had, it's Jesus. He's more proactive than you and I will ever be. And what's more is, he sees into the heart, far beyond what your eyes and my eyes can see. Jesus has tasked you with one thing. All he wants you to do is love. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Every other command hangs on these two. So what posture will you choose to take?